Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Rand Fishkin. Rand is the co-founder and CEO of audience research software startup SparkToro. He's dedicated his professional life to helping people do better marketing through his writing, videos, speaking, and his book, Lost and Founder. Rand, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brent. Great to be here. Yeah. So uh, give us the quick elevator pitch on SparkToro. Who's it for? Kind of who's your core audience? And what do you guys do that makes it so amazing? Well, it depends on on how amazing it is. But um, we basically help folks solve exactly this audience research problem. So if you need to know what chemical engineers in the UK listen to and watch and read and visit online, or you're interested in um, maybe pitching your business to um, podcasts that reach architects in Los Angeles, or you want to find out more about the demographics of CTOs in Canada. You can, you know, do a whole bunch of surveys and interviews and very costly research to get that data, or you can do a free SparkToro search and uh, and get it at your fingertips. And that data is all gathered from public social and web profiles and then anonymized and aggregated together. That's awesome. That's essentially what we do. Most folks who use SparkToro today are marketers of some kind. And that uh, that includes, I think, about uh, 40% of our customers, paying subscribers at least, are agencies and consultants. And then the other 60% are kind of in-house you know, brands, B2B, B2C, D2C. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we, yeah, I think we, we primarily help them, gosh... That's actually a really tough one. The use cases are so freaking broad that every day I am astounded to see what what problems people are solving with SparkToro. I think really the problem that we're solving is how do I get these answers to these previously difficult to answer questions quickly and affordably rather than, um, oh, we really help, like my old company Moz, right? Helped people with ranking in organic search in Google. Um, SparkToro is a vastly broader set of use cases. How, for you being, I mean, this is a, a, a related company. I mean, there's there's like a Venn diagram where like Moz and SparkToro probably, you know, play really well yeah. together in terms of helping businesses find customers and helping them find audience reach and things like that. But for you as a, as a founder, what's been different for you about starting and, and co-founding SparkToro that, um, you know, than Moz? Oh man, so many things, so many things are different. I, someone asked me about this recently and I I made an analogy that I I think it's a little bit like when you're in those early romantic relationships in like high school and college 
I don't know if you, I, I'm not sure, like, obviously, Brent, I have not interviewed you about your dating history, <laughs> but <laughs> let's you know, do for it. many people, <laughs> let's do it. Tell me about your first girl or boyfriend. <laughs> well, so, so my wife actually edits the podcast. So we'll, uh, I'll hold up a pass card on that one. Okay. But, uh, okay but, like, fair theoretically, enough. right. We had relationships in high school. Like we all understand yeah. it. They were train wrecks because they were the first relationship. So yes, there you go. Right. And, and, you know, I think that in a lot of those cases, right. There's a few people who have the emotional maturity and romantic maturity to kind of make those early relationships work for long periods of time and be great and positive and all that. Um, I, like many people, my first relationships had very high highs and very low lows, right? The excitement of that first date with new person for the first time and, you know, your first kiss and all that kind of stuff. Like, wow, you, the emotions and the dopamine hit and all the hormones that are running through, especially teenage boys. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's very intense. And, and my first startup was like that too. Like the high highs of getting those first few customers of whatever it is, you know, getting out of debt, getting to profitability, having a company, you know, holiday party. Like it was all, every little thing was so incredibly exciting. And conversely, every, you know, customer who quit every time someone, wrote something crappy in a comment mm. section on a website about me. It just felt like, you know, the earth was opening up underneath me and, you know, hell itself was swallowing me. And that persisted probably true for almost a decade. Right. I mean, I, wow. I started SparkToro when I dropped, <laughs> I started Moz when I dropped out of uh, college and yeah, just very, very emotionally intense SparkToro has had a lot of wonderful moments to it, right? It managed to get to profitability quickly. You know, we managed to raise money in this really unique way from a bunch of investors that we love. And we have this wonderful chill work, you know, balance thing that we focus on and a, just a wonderful company in a million ways, right? And it's been exciting, but the highs are not as high and the lows are not that low. Mm. So I, I think it, I think it's that, that maturity that comes with age where you start to have the, you know, the wisdom of perspective and experience and much like, you know, some, someone asked me about um, getting on stage and speaking. I don't know if you, do you do um, speaking events or did you in the before a, times? A little bit. We, we have an event within our, with our community where we'll have a couple hundred agencies come out. So I kind of do, oh, yeah. I do like my one three day event. I, I play MC for three days, you know, and, and, uh, versus going in and speaking on other people's stages. Yeah. And you know, you know, that sensation, right? You're about to get on stage and your heart is sort of pumping and there's, you know, that's that adrenaline spike. There's the nervousness that accompanies it, but also the excitement in my, you know, the first hundred times I spoke on stages, absolutely. I got that. Right. And now I don't get it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's both a, you know, if I'm going to stand on stage in front of a few thousand people, like I don't, I don't feel, I remember that feeling, but I don't have it anymore. It doesn't, you know, it's not nerve wracking for me. It doesn't um, get that same level of endorphin and th that's okay. It's fine. It means that I can probably deliver a more polished, more thoughtful, less, you know, emotionally influenced sort of talk, but do I miss it a little bit? Yeah, I miss it a little bit. I feel like you're one of those 
founders and, and serial entrepreneurs that kind of like CEO'd in public, you know, I mean, you, 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 you put a lot of your thoughts out there. You are a prolific blogger. Uh, you've, you've blogged on a lot of topics through those, that roller coaster, right. Which I think is a huge yeah. gift to the industry, but I can also imagine that there's a, a hard side of that, that people know and are probably more interested in things that you may or may not want them to be asking questions about or probing about. How how has that been for you? Yeah, occasionally. I mean, I am not I'm not a very private person, so I don't I don't particularly worry about this and I don't have um a whole lot of you know public private barriers or or nervousness about that kind of stuff. I do I do occasionally have some I don't know frustration, right? I wrote a a blog post last night about how parts of performance advertising are sort of an analytics scam. And uh and, and it it went to the top of hacker news this morning, right? Which is which is great. Like if you, you know, if you've been on the top of hacker news, it's one of the few websites that still sends you like tens of thousands of visits and and a lot of engagement and all that kind of stuff. So that that's nice, right? It suggests, oh, okay, I, I still know how to do some content marketing or whatever. You know, but there's comments, lots of comments, right, on the um on the hacker news thread that are weirdly personal, mm. right? Because people, I think people on Hacker News feel like, hey, I, I know Rand, I've been following him for a long time, or I've seen aspects of him, right? And so there's kind of, you know, uh, criticisms that seem very odd and, and random and far-flung to me, right? It's not criticizing the post, it's criticizing, hey, the person behind this post is also a critic of venture capital, which of course we at Hacker News worship. And I think he's only a critic of venture capital because... Uh, he had this one bad experience, and he just had that bad, bad experience because he doesn't know how to hack it, right? In the in the VC world, and I kind of had this like, eh, eh. <laughs> do you do you? Uh, obviously, yeah. you're taking the time to read the comments of Hacker News, which which maybe the you know, yeah, I'm sure, maybe you know. maybe that's a mistake, right? Should I browse? <laughs> should I have spent are, the five you, minutes do, browsing through there? Do you engage Probably and not. respond, or do you just do you just consume a bit and then move on? You know, Brent, with a lot of those not so well-informed or or logically inconsistent or, you know, emotional attack types of things, I kind of just want to reply with the rolling eyes emoji, right? <laughs> and, then, and then go back to my day. I, I yeah. think that's the most mature thing to do or just not reply at all. Sometimes I'll consider um, replying. I think if somebody uh, bothers to email me or comment on the post itself or tweet at me. Most of the time, if I see it, I'll respond. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads, so it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. What do you think? And I've read some of your recent content about, you know, kind of what's happening to content creators off 
the platforms, right? Not not on, you know, people that aren't producing original content on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, right? That those, these huge traffic sources are starting to kind of, I don't know if I'd say penalize, just ignore, right? Ignore yeah. that kind of stuff. And I mean, I imagine that's got to, you know, you probably talk, I mean, I know you talk a lot about SEO, but I mean, what it, what is the future of creating owned media for for companies or for influencers like is that is it just going to kind of go away is it just going to be less and less important i i don't believe either of those things i think my my general sense is just that whereas these you know powerful tech behemoths whether that's you know everything from like google search to youtube to facebook to reddit and instagram and linkedin and twitter and all the rest of the platforms right they all have this financial incentive um, to keep you on their properties and platforms, right? It's it's sort of active time and time spent on the platform that is most important to them. And so they have built algorithms, right? Machine learning algorithms that essentially prioritize content and profiles and, you know, whatever it is, posts, shares, engagement uh, that keeps you there and keeps you coming back. That you know, until and unless that incentive is removed or regulated somehow, that's not going to change. And so as a creator, your options are essentially create natively for the platform and play to those engagement algorithms, or alternatively, create on your own property, website, email list, et cetera, and then take the the small scraps that you can forage and, and collect from these platforms and get them sending you the small amounts of traffic that they that they now do. And I think you can play both sides of that a little bit, right? I, as a creator, certainly do a lot of creating just for LinkedIn and Twitter, which are my two primary networks for, for SparkToro, and some personal creation for like Instagram and stuff. But, you know, I then kind of play play the game of, okay, you know, the Twitter algorithm likes me this week because I've, I've put together a, a, like a streak of high engagement posts now I'm going to link to something, right? Let me link to our email list. Let me link mm. to our webinar that's upcoming. Let me link to the blog post. Let me, you know, uh, put out a uh, potentially a piece of promotional content that helps someone use SparkToro better, even with if it doesn't contain a link to SparkToro. And I'll rely on the fact that people who see that and engage with it will then go over to Google and search for SparkToro and whatever. So, so it's kind of this strategy of a, a little for or a lot for you as the platform, and then hey, can I get a little bit too? Yeah, and <laughs> look, I mean, in in a way, I still think like Brent. If we go back twenty five years, I still think digital marketing and drawing traffic to your website today is probably easier than it was then, but not as easy as kind of the golden age of drawing traffic from SEO and social media that we kind of had between maybe two thousand three and two thousand eighteen. That uh, this question came up from one of our our members, Michael Trang said uh, he wanted me to ask you if you miss Matt Cuts. Hmm. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, Geraldine, I, my wife had had some just kind of personal interactions with him after his wife passed away, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see him again, right? I think he, I think he was a genuinely good-hearted human being who had a lot of yeah conflicting ethics with where Google ended up going and mm. 
Yeah. And then I think, you know, same thing, right? I think poor guy, right? Went to uh, build the digital service, right? Under Obama. And then, you know, like, what, nine months or a year after he joined that and started creating it, Trump came in. And I think he was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What, what is happening to me? <laughs> and, and, and still managed to do quite, quite good work, right? Work that in fact, you know, had he been under a different administration, I think would have, would have made a, you know, a really powerful difference in, in things like pandemic support and and other places. But, he, you know, he's been a, someone who's, I, I think has the best interests of humanity at heart and tries to do his best. I like him. Yeah. And I, what I love about your response, I mean, it's, it's more about, you know, your, your actual relationship with the, the person, Matt Cuts. And I think a lot of us oh. as marketers and search people and right, we're just like reading the tea leaves <laughs> of like, where are they headed? What are they doing? Right. And I think gotcha. there's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's ever been replaced, you know, in, in the same, like, there's yeah, a, a, yeah. A it's, it's interesting. That right? Everybody I, knows, right? From Google. I, I definitely, I mean, during my early tenure at Moz, right? I, I gave Matt Cutts a very hard time about a lot of his public statements vis-a-vis what he said and didn't say at Google. I I, you know, I was v- very unhappy with some of the things that he did and and said and nudged Moz to do. And also at the same time, I agree with most folks who think that he was actually a better representative and a more trustworthy person and voice for Google than, than what we've had since. Mm. Yeah. I think he did a lot to kind of just have a very authentic conversation with people yeah. around that. Um, you mentioned this, you know, the financial incentive. And I think I've seen, I mean, obviously platforms like Facebook, it used to be, Hey, you produce great content. We're gonna give you incredible organic reach. And oh, then somebody God. one time said, Maybe they should actually be paying us a lot more money, and you know, and then obviously, you know, they they put a lot more into their ads. I mean, what? Where do you see this like future of organic versus paid? That our platform just going to continue to tolerate organic? Like, hey, come on, like produce some good stuff, and we'll give you some lift. Or like, is is the future just pay to play across the board for for most of these platforms? Um, I think it is going to continue to be a combination for for the long-term future. And that is primarily because it's very difficult to make paid content as engaging as organic content. And so Facebook's incentive is essentially let's have, you know, everyone post their baby pictures and their, you know, theories about how Jews are secretly lizard people. And like, that's very engaging content, right? Two different kinds of engaging content, by the way, not a lizard person. I, (laughs) I've been like checking, <laughs> but I think that 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 sort of engagement keeps people coming back. And then it also creates a platform where it is in an advertiser's interest to get in front of people, right? So Facebook can say, we know more about more human beings than anyone else. And we're the place where you can come to target those human beings in all the ways that you want to as an advertiser. Advertising dollars are going to flow to them, but they have to continue to get people to A, join the platform be engaged in the platform and see, give them all their information. And that happens through uh, high engagement, organic content, which I think Facebook and every platform will continue to reward. The, the exception to that is high engagement content that's not on their platform. So if you want to share a link that takes someone to the open web, that you know that is where the line kind of gets drawn. And you can see that, I mean, Instagram and TikTok are kind of the two most obvious where essentially there is no link out, 
Like you have to click on the bio and then you can get to a profile and you can click a link there. And that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people who do that. Yeah. And I was reading in one of your recent posts. I mean, we do a little bit on those platforms, but I didn't even realize that someone's mentioning in your content that there's a link in the bio will actually get it potentially like de-algorithmed. Uh, so this is the this was a theory that a, a few experiments have tried to test and confirm or deny. Yeah, mixed results. Um, so okay. there was uh, there's so some testing the that showed basically that if you you know if a brand put up link in bio or or those sorts of suggestions, it, it could be that it's the mention. It could also be that you know, what Instagram does is the algorithm looks for posts that encourage, that get high percentages of people to click the bio and then the link. And that's what drives, you know, higher or lower engagement, et cetera. And then there's also the, you know, the theory, I think someone had a, a very reasonable theory, which is if something does that back to Instagram later, Instagram probably going to promote it. It's only if you go away and don't return that they don't like, you know, that the algorithm is sort of trained not to promote that. So it's complex. Wow. That's, I mean, you know, their, their currency or whatever, their, their, their inventory is people's attention. So yes. if you pull it away from the platform, then shame on you. Yeah. I think that's going to be true, right? It's, it's going to be that same cat and mouse game, like, you know, like the early days of Google and SEO, right? <laughs> Like I can't stuff all these keywords into the into the footer of the page, and right. that's yeah. not that's not cool. One thing that you, when I was you know kind of doing my my homework for today, you you have some content where you talk a little bit about you mentioned kind of a year of of depression that maybe kind of you know you weren't showing up in the way that you wanted to, and that might have led to some of your decision to to step down as as CEO of Moz. And I mean that's a very public thing. That I mean that's a very uh, usually a private thing to talk about publicly, um, kind of getting into sharing some of that story. But one of the reasons I think that as I was, I was reading through some content, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs over the last year and a half have been put under a lot of stress, whether their business is, you know, cratered because of COVID. Uh, we had a lot of agency owners that are, are doing better now and some are having the best yeah. years of their, of their career and even last year. Absolutely. But there was also agency owners where, you know, they had restaurants as clients and they got, you know, they had 30 clients and they had 28 of the 30 clients call them in a 48 hour period and cancel service. Right. And, and kind of go through, through some ah. difficult times. So I guess, I, I mean, a couple of questions around this topic that I think would be helpful for listeners. I mean, one is, you know, I mean, are you, do, do you feel like you're in a much better place now kind of having walked away from, from Moz at some level and, and started something new and kind of taken some time for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Uh, the structure of Moz in terms of, you know, the the size and scale of the business, um, the complexity of operating it and of making the hard decisions that that probably needed to be made when I was CEO that that I think I frankly did not have the courage or maturity to make. All, all those things just weighed on me incredibly heavily. And the, you know, obviously the financial commitment, right? You've told your investors, hey, I promise I'm going to you know, turn this into a hundred million dollar company and a billion dollar valuation or die trying and die. I mean, the company will die <laughs> trying, right? Not, yeah. not I human being will, will die but I trying. I think as but, an um, entrepreneur, sometimes it kind of feels like that, right? I mean, uh, your identity, your, your, 
self-worth sometimes is tied up in a business. I mean, there's yeah. uh, whether it's the physical, it's a, maybe a metaphysical, right? Uh, like die trying kind of thing, but that's still like uh, in your head, that can be a big thing. Oh, uh, there is no doubt about it, right? And I think that being able to disconnect yourself from a brand identity is immensely difficult, especially if you've built up a public persona around it and and built up this, you know, as I did, kind of decade and a half of brand association between, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of marketers, right? And 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 Moz and Rand and disassociating that is, has been an ongoing struggle. I, I still get emails. I get emails to rand at sparktoro.com, right? From people who are like, hey, can you at Moz fix this? It's been, it's been four years. I haven't been there for four years. Like, what, what am I going to do? I, I feel like uh, probably Matt Cutts gets this too, right? Where people are like, let's put him on a top SEOs list. The, the guy has not worked, A, ever in, in SEO, and B, right, has, hasn't been there for, you know, a decade. I don't know. It's a very, wow. very strange thing. But this is, I think this speaks to the power of brand association yeah. too. And I mean, and, I, that was the first, kind of first thought that went through my head. Like, dude, congrats for literally like brainwashing the world into, like, you know, believing that these things are are one and the same in there. Because I mean, that's obviously incredible. I mean, that's an incredible is, accomplishment. It, but it is very painful to have this sense, right? When I was negotiating my departure for Moz, right? And um, unfortunately, it got very ugly, and there was like lawyers involved on both sides, and it you know it was like a year of ongoing negotiations, and ugh, just you know terrible having to hire a lawyer to negotiate your own departure from a company that you created with your mom. Like, no good, man, no good at all. And 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 having that dread, right? That sense of will anybody ever associate me with anything else? Will I be able to associate me with anything else? Am I someone outside of this company? Who am I? That uh, Those kinds of questions are very demoralizing and challenging. And I have a ton of empathy for, you know, every whatever founder or public person who goes through them. I think that's a really hard thing. Is there anything that you've done during that process that you think has has helped? I'm sure there's not a silver bullet to something that's a complex, emotional, like, I mean, I mean, time, right? Obviously, probably helps with things. But yeah, has there been like a, a a set of things that you feel like in hindsight helped more than others? I think probably the two most helpful things are, as you mentioned, time and sort of distance, right? So saying, uh, you know, when I left Moz, I remained on the board of directors for a couple of years, and I stepped down last year, actually. So that that helped, right? Just having no formal or informal association whatsoever. Very helpful, right? I, you know, I never had to think about it kind of after, after stepping down from the board. And that, um, that was very, that was a very positive thing for my mental day-to-day health. I think the other thing that was very helpful is, is just starting something new. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. realize how quickly, at least my own my own sense of self could be tied to something new, right? So now, now I'm building Spark Toro, and I, it, I mean, I, this is in public. It's it's public, but I, I don't talk about it. I'm I'm designing a video game, right? <laughs> you know, just like I'm doing other things that are not Moz anymore, and so that separation starts to build itself, and 
you know, I have I have the hopes that maybe 10 years from now, more people will associate me with Spark Toro and, and maybe even with this video game than do or did with Moss. Yeah, that's cool. Video game. That's, yeah. that's maybe like a future future podcast episode. You you let us know when you want to come back and talk about the video game, and we'll help. Okay, that sounds we'll, we'll sounds help wonderful. With, uh, so, um, some of the uh, Geraldine, my wife, is is the writer for the game, and so I, I suspect she'll do a lot of the you know public talking about it. But um, yeah, I'm 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 pretty excited about it. It's fun, you know. You get on a weekly call with the with the game developers and you know sort of see all these boxes moving around and <laughs> it's just great it's great to be able to take a personal passion that's at the intersection of things that i know and like right so software engineering and product creation and um, sort of all the marketing elements that go into a game and then also learn so much about some a, a new sector i think growth growth <laughs> human growth that is what helps me break out of a lot of those you know, feelings of worthlessness or of beating myself up for the past, having stuff to look forward to in the future. Yeah, I love that. To be honest, uh, one of the hardest things for me, Brent, I'm sure a ton of people will identify with this from the pandemic. One of the hardest things for me during COVID, like during the the lockdown kind of hardcore 12-month lockdown of, of COVID was just this sense that I couldn't plan anything. Mm. I can't make future plans because the future is so risky and unknowable. So what, what, what can we play? You know, I wanted to do this event in, in Bologna for a bunch of independent software startup founders. When can I do it? How can I, will I ever be able to do it? Is that a thing that could happen again? C- couldn't we go on vacation ever again? Will we be able to travel? Can we see our friends who moved to Canada? Like they're only, you know, they're like a two hour uh, ride away we can't get there. We can't cross the border. You know, it's, it's those kinds of things. It just, I think that that ate at me quite a bit. And now having, you know, at least vaccines have really opened things up, made this a lot more, less deadly and more possible. And, you know, you get to start to think about the future again. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, it feels like you kind of went to this huge personal and professional transition and then, you know, the world like got turned upside down in a snow globe and, and shook out like really hard. So I can see how that's, I think we've all kind of gone through that a little bit. But I, I love the the just creating something and even looking for areas to create that are outside of your like traditional stuff, like the game. Yeah. When uh, uh, The book helped a lot too, right? The writing Lost and Founder, very cathartic experience to sort of try and document all that stuff and you know, I, I spent a ton of time like going through all my past emails and board slide decks and, and old blog posts, right? And and trying to like weave together what is what is the real narrative of how I feel about this and, and what's going on here and what it means. And yeah, that was helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e the number 2 m solutions.com. All right, back to our show. You you recently wrote some stuff about and I was kind of thinking about your you know you have this opportunity with SparkToro, right? And I I've, I've a mentor asked me this question like, 
you know, if you started your business over, what would you do differently? And I, and I feel like you've had that opportunity. And I, I read some stuff about, you know, this idea of, of hustle. You have some very specific beliefs about that idea within entrepreneurial culture. I think you, you call it, uh, instead of, you know, hustling, you're kind of like, what's the, the phrase you use kind of how you like, Oh, chill work, chill work, chill work. I was like, I need more chill work in my life. You know, like I was, I was happy to, to kind of uncover that. And it sounds like that's kind of a, a value at Sport Toro or something that you're, 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 you're kind of creating. Do, do you feel like you fell into the, some of that hustle trap at Moz or was chill work always kind of a thing? No, no, no. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a reactionary approach to work that, that is inspired both by the prevailing culture around tech entrepreneurship, which is very much hard work for its own sake, and also a reaction to what I, what I think was a big problem for my career at Moz and I think many people's, which was hours worked and you know, burning midnight oil and constantly being on and work taking precedence over the rest of life. That was something that I think I prided myself on. Right, I built an identity around. Hey, this is this is who I am, and I, I was far from the most vocal or visible person about that topic. Right, I think, you know, maybe somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk or something, right, would be even more like hustle bro, you know, just just worshiping the hustle porn. But I think if that is something that makes you happy and brings you joy and you know makes your life rich, okay. Hey, I, I don't want to yuck anybody else's yum, but yeah. it's not for me. And I think it's marketed to a lot of people that it's not right for either. I feel the same way about venture capital, right? As an asset class and a funding model. I, if it's great for you, hey, don't let me stop you, right? Like if you love it and and that, you know, whatever, two in a hundred is a fine statistical number for you to pursue, go for it. Like don't, I'm not telling you to stop, right? I'm not going to break this asset class by complaining about it. But if you also see problems in it and feel like there's not enough alternatives, you know, maybe some of the stuff that we're doing at Spark Toro could inspire a different way. And, and chill work is that too, right? It's this, this sense of let's work the fewest possible hours that we can to get the most important things in the business done and no more. And the reason we don't aim for any more is because we believe that our best work will come when we are relaxed and well-balanced and have a, a good amount of sleep and exercise and family time and friend time and play Dungeons and Dragons time and do video games time and all that other stuff, right? Whatever you're into, like all those things should get to be part of your life. There is no reason to take 40 or 50 years of your life and say, oh, I'm going to exclude everything else. I'm just going after the uh, the hustle. I don't think that's actually going to make you a happier or better person. I don't think it's going to make your business all that much better. Rand, I think that's probably one of the most beautiful messages for agency owners and entrepreneurs after the last year and a half. And uh, yeah, man, I feel like I could have that on a, on a soundbite for uh, for a morning Please, please feel free so. to, uh, yeah, put that into your <laughs> Zen, you know, meditation app. <laughs> Dude, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. I, I, I know our listeners are are eating this stuff up. Uh, do you have a couple minutes to hang out with us for a quick lightning round? Heck yeah. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, you know, um, 
uh, Darmesh from HubSpot told me that I should really take that HubSpot deal <laughs> when they offered it to me back in, what was that 2011? I guess 10 years ago. And he was right. That that probably <laughs> uh, that probably would have been an extraordinary experience and an exceptional financial outcome um, and saved a lot of pain and heartache and broken relationships and sadness too. So what do you know, Darmesh? You were right. <laughs> Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, I am extraordinarily efficient at email. Fast writer, fast responder. Email is like my superpower. That's awesome. Maybe we need to do like a, a RAND course on email inbox management for for another day. But uh, can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Ooh, um, sure. If you If you have a subscription business of any kind, I freaking love ProfitWell. I don't understand why it's free. It's one of the best products out there. We ha- we have it connected to our, you know, Stripe and our website and ProfitWell basically gives us every kind of data that took me like 10 years to build custom reporting systems and solutions at Moz to get that data. ProfitWell is just like, "Oh, here you go. We built it all for you." It's a snap. Um I actually I do love that about, you know, starting up companies later as you you like get to benefit from everyone who built all the tools to build your business. It's great. That's awesome. And uh, what book would you recommend besides your own and why? Oh man, there's so many that are great. I have got here. So I just finished uh, Natalie Nahai's Business Unusual. Posted a little bit about that on Twitter, which I, I thought was a very, very good book. Oh, you know what? One of my absolute favorites is... No hard feelings. This book is outstanding, especially for our conversation today, Brent. Uh, no hard feelings from uh, Liz Fosslein and Molly West Duffy. Phenomenal book about bringing your feelings to work and dealing with feelings at work. Awesome. Well, we will link out to No Hard Feelings Business as Usual. Or I'm sorry, Business, business unusual. unusual. Business unusual, unusual, as well as your book, Lost and Founder. On our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're out on a run or like me on your bike and you didn't have a pen to write all that stuff down, just check out yougurus.com slash podcast and we'll organize all those links, books, recommendations, apps like ProfitWell uh, for you guys on that page. Rand, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have they can check out? Oh, sure. If you're interested in uh, lots of my ranty opinions about marketing and entrepreneurship and chill work and all of that. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter where I'm at Randfish. And um, you can read more deep dives about that uh, every few weeks on the SparkToro blog, which is sparktoro.com slash blog. Awesome. We will link out to your Twitter as well as your SparkToro blog. I definitely enjoy that myself and uh, give people as many options to digitally stock you as possible on our show notes page, eagerus.com slash podcast. If you're not already following Rand, which I'm sure a lot of our guests and, and, and audience already are, you're doing a great job with all that stuff, man. True inspiration uh, with your companies and the ups and the downs. And uh, I think it's just amazing to learn so much from you and really appreciate you coming by the program today. Oh my gosh, Brent. It's been an honor. Please let me know if I can ever be helpful. Awesome. Well, we will take you up on that. Thanks again. And that is it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Hey.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.